And it's time to talk a little bit of the unusual instances of events that have happened in the world of motoring and transport. This week, I'm joined by Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. Now, parking wars. There's several stories here. Very quickly, garage owner in the city of Qingdao. Two people kept parking him in. What did he do? He got a forklift. He proceeded to place the two illegally parked cars, a minivan and a two-door Volkswagen, on the roof of his garage. Of course, the owner of one of the cars is going to sue him. Elsewhere, you can now, for $40 on Amazon, buy drive-away spikes, but they're only of rubber, so it's more a visual deterrent for would-be driveway encroachers. And parking as a weapon, a 40-year-old resident of an apartment building in the city of Ziang, uh, he had a dispute with neighbours about noises, so he used his Porsche to block the other person's BMW, and they have sat unused since April 2015, over a year. Neither car has moved. As in most hostage situations, an innocent bystander has suffered the most due to the placement of the two cars. A door to the local branch of the ICBC bank is inaccessible. But finally, here's the point. As an element of war, parking restrictions usually say you you can't park in an area unless you're a local. And you're given some visitors' car park signs. Now, a nanny has been using them in Capitol Hills, a number of nannies, and this has affected a person who uh, kicked up a stink, left notes under the windscreen wiper, threatened to have cars towed and stole number plates. The point I'm making here, Errol, is that the person was from the Defence Department. Do you think we might well be able to use parking as a weapon of war? Well, uh, clearly. I mean, uh, he, he thought they really were out to get him in this case. Uh, top Pentagon official, a public spokesman for the Pentagon, who's been on, you know, you've, we've probably all seen him on TV at some point. It's interesting that, that someone who's, whose role it is to represent the biggest upholders of the, the law within the US is um, just a little bit nuts. He's nuts and he, he's making parking a big issue. Brian Whitman, a retired army officer, he now works as a member of the public with the Defence Department. His title is Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary, basically means he gets a coffee, doesn't it? Of Defence <laughs> for Public Affairs. <laughs> but Errol, look, Saddam Hussein, don't invade his country, park him in. Mm. Then he mm. can't get to work. He spends money on a car that he can't move. He gets frustrated. Then he spends all his time in court on legal disputes. Surely this was a better approach. <laughs> I, I like this this garage owner in China who who was sick of these guys parking him in. So got a forklift and put them on the roof of his garage. So basically he just gave them a lift. <laughs> Apparently he was just laughing his head off when, when one of them returned. And it was after weeks. It wasn't just like it had been there for a day. It had been, been no. parked there for months. And apparently he just, just couldn't stop laughing when the guy came back. And the most interesting thing, and this follows on for the other story, is that technically he wasn't breaking the law. It was a civil matter. And the police just didn't want anything to do with it. Guy's going to sue him for scratching his car. Gee, you would hope a magistrate or a judge would put those two people in their place. I used to live in a unit, and one night a guy parked in front of my driveway. I was trying to go to work. I couldn't get out. And, you know, we had the man handle the car. He eventually came down and, oh, what are you doing? Well, what do you think I'm doing? I'm trying to live my life without being totally and utterly inconvenienced by mm. you because of the way you park. Mm. But I love this other, this other story of these two luxury cars. 
I don't understand how one of them is not not illegally parked because the other one yes. is is legally parked and is blocking the other one in. So I don't know how that works, and I also don't understand how they're not legally parked because they're stopping a door from opening at a bank. I would have thought the bank would have got a forklift before this. <laughs> yeah, they should have called the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> but but you look at this, the cars have been sitting there for more than a year. These obviously, both of these people obviously are upholding their, standing their ground is more important to them than a $100,000 sports car. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's like it's like the slowest game of chicken in the world. I'm not, I'm not giving... <laughs> I'm going to stay here. Cutting off your nose to spite your face, isn't mm, it? It's yeah, absolutely. a reality that I think is absurd. In China, in a big city there, they probably don't use their car anyway all no. that much. But no, they just go out, and put, go out and buy another one, don't they? Do you know there was once a television show called Parking Wars, mm. a reality television show on the A&E network? That's that network that runs things like Porn stars. P A W N, we should. Yes. Emphasize. And uh, what are those garage ones where they open up garages? Yes, the, the pickers shows and all those kind of things, yeah. Not my kind of entertainment, but uh, the program followed traffic enforcement employees around. Began in 2008, January, and finished in December 2012. So it had a reasonable run. Mm-hmm. So those brown bom- bombers were busy for a while. Oh, brown bombers. What a great name. Isn't it? Given that the, we're trying to link it to the military, maybe if they had have added some military scenarios there, it might have done better. A bomb or two might mm. w- well have really mm. just made the, even the program last a lot longer. Mm. Errol, you have a story? Well, David, they say it's all about keeping up appearances. So as Uzbekistan's capital, Tashkent, has taken on this motto by banning old Soviet-era cars from getting into the city. This will have the effect of there only being locally made cars or expensive imported ones on the roads. And why the drastic measure, you might be thinking, well, there's a major international summit about to be held there and they want to at least look like they've left all that old USSR stuff behind them. So it's politics. They've just missed one little slight wrinkle, David, and that's Russia is one of the major attendees of this summit. (laughs) They might be thankful they don't have to get into one of their own cars. Oh, God, there's an old ladder. Reminds me, <laughs> reminds me of the old days we were trying to leave behind. If you're trying to appear authoritative and a, Vo- a Volga or a Moscovich is uh, broken down in front of you, then, it, you know, I'm sorry I'm late to the meeting, but some old Russian car broke down. Perhaps it doesn't look good. Yes. We've had a little bit of that. We had anti-French feeling when the atomic tests were being held at the Bikini Atoll. Mm. And so people that drove a Renault or a Citroen were looked down on. I wonder how effective it could be. I don't think it really affected it that much because what happens is once you get your hip pocket nerve involved, and I'm in America, I've been to America, to Hawaii, where there was Pearl Harbor, and there are a lot of Americans there that are still very anti-Japanese. They'll never buy a Toyota. Yeah, although Toyota's the second biggest selling, if you go look at December, last December figures. General Motors is number one, Toyota is number two, but then, of course, you have Ford and Fiat Chrysler. Well, Fiat, see, Fiat, of course, it has that sort of link Mm. to Chrysler which was rather good. Interestingly, I don't know that General Motors outsold Volkswagen about 10 to 1. Yes. Maybe Hitler's image lasts longer. When you put on, want to put on a good display, you know, Sydney did that. When they were pitching for the Olympic Games and uh, some people from the Olympic movement came out to look at the city, 
they got all the traffic lights to turn green for the cars that were carrying Olympic officials. Yes. No, nothing sus about that at all. And they kept saying, oh, geez, you've got fantastic, uh, no congestion around here. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Will Brexit, Britain leaving the European Union, do you think that will change our attitudes to British cars? It might, although I suspect the answer will be because they'll get more expensive because that seems to be the, the, <laughs> the direction of what might happen. Back to the hip pocket nerve. Yes. If you want to look rich, I guess you could only have pos- prosperous cars. If you had to want to look environmental, you could only have small cars. If the Royals visited in HC, you wouldn't want everyone to be driving a Rolls Royce because the, the Royals would have to look above, be above the hoi polloi. So then, then you want the old Russian cars on the road. Well, that, maybe that's right. And then the Queen could get out and give a gold coin to all the drivers. <laughs> Probably worth more than the car. Indeed. Errol, you have another story, this time of uh, purity, or attempted purity. Tennessee Highway Patrol officer probably thought he'd finally seen it all when he pulled over a car on suspicion of drunk driving. The 35-year-old suspect blew 0.117 and was found to have a handgun in the centre console. But of course, this is the US, so that wasn't uncommon. But the suspect was wearing some kind of mesh hose, and that makes as much sense to me as it does you, and a little red skirt around his waist, which turned out to be covering up a chastity belt, for which he needed the key, I presume, to pee. Well, we've had alcohol locks. Yes, well, th- this, we? is, this is so, more of, of, of getting the alcohol out, I suspect, than, uh, than in. Apparently, he, he admitted once he was in custody to needing not only the key that was in his vehicle, but also the other key that was around his passenger's neck. His passengers now. So apparently this is a, a Cold War era chastity belt. You need both keys turned at the same time to, you know, launch the missile, so to speak. <laughs> I missed that for a while. but Well, they say the shape of those missiles. That doesn't matter. <laughs> now, maybe they're a good thing, right? The whole issue with Uber drivers coming out is that women may not be safe. Maybe if we made a requirement like having an alcohol <laughs> lock, that you had to, I'm not making any judgment on any Uber driver, I'm just saying the image would give them the chance to be able to appear to be safer. Right. (laughs) Or if you constantly abuse people, maybe you've got to wear a gag or a muzzle. There's a whole pile of things that perhaps we need to think about controlling when people get into a car because they become out of control. Yes, well, he was definitely out of control. I guess he needed the key to, you know, start him up again. Only in America. Now, speaking of babies, David, you've got another story. I do have a story. The Colcraft Baby Products Company, it's created a giant virgin, version, mm. virgin, version of its Contours Bliss. Must have had a chastity belt on if it was still a virgin. Uh, but apparently this stroll is big enough for parents to try out. And their president, Tom Colton, said the giant stroller was built to give parents a better idea of what their children experience. The supersized stroller is more than twice the size of one for babies, measuring seven feet six inches high and six feet deep and four feet wide, he said. Errol, you know we're going to have to road test one of these. Absolutely, David. When are we we getting it? I'm not sure that we're on the list yet, but I tell you what, you can go to the launch. It won't be in a restaurant with a nice meal. It'll have fairy bread and cordial. And, and to test it, 
you'll have to eat an ice cream and let it dribble down your chin and over, all over your hand. I'm not sure who's going to push you, though, Errol. They need to be put, de- put down for my afternoon nap. <laughs> <laughs> what you'll have to do is you'll have to put away your driving leather driving gloves and put on a nappy and sup- suck a dummy, I think. <laughs> It's a bit strange uh, looking at the uh, the photos of, of just seeing these adults sitting in a pram that's to scale. Yes. And, of course, they have to be pushed by another adult in a slight wrinkle in, in the safety department can't actually see because the thing's so high. Uh, yes. Can't see where he's going. Well, you need it to be autonomous. I don't think it's powered. No. However, the, you know, the, the sort of the... Um, the tray underneath can, can carry an enormous amount of nappies. The other thing is, Errol, I think this is a whole style of trying to be to make the perfect decision. You've now got to road test the pram for your child as if... Mm. Someone wrote a story about this. They went to a supermarket and there were 47 different varieties of salad dressing. And yes. said, well, what it leads to is you feel then you've got to make the perfect decision. Mm. You buy one, it's not perfect, you feel the failure. Yeah, agonise, yeah, agonise yeah. over the choices. Yes, there's a, there's a point where too much choice becomes destructive. Destructive, I think that's exactly the word. Errol, what features would you look for in a pram? Comfort? Babies never see to lie straight. They always seem to get angles about them, so I'm not sure what comfort would really mean. Mm. Ventilation, now you want to let the fresh air in and the stale, if you know what I mean, air out. Uh, yes, definitely. Yes, you, yes you, you don't want any moisture to remain in the, in the vehicle. You do want to be covered in case it's sunny. A decent pair of, of brakes as well, you know. A handbrake is absolutely critical, isn't it? Mm. You've seen mm. strollers roll away. Yes. I guess they've, they'll have automatic braking. and um, I don't know about cruise control, maybe dual zone climate. Mm. Uh, uh, one for the passenger, one for the one for the pusher. What if your parents jog? I think good suspension would be very critical then. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and I don't know about good cornering because that means you get thrown around inside with high G forces. I think it would be much more comfortable for the occupant if it tilted into the corners. That's like an active suspension. Hmm. I think there's all sorts of automotive technology that we could apply to this, David, as well as a rocking function. Hmm. Now, of course, the trouble is if a father buys the pram, it'll have low-profile tyres, which give you a bumpy ride, a horn, a huge sound system, and probably a cigarette lighter. Yes, and it'll be, it'll be bright red because that'll go quicker. With a bonnet scoop. <laughs> With a bonnet scoop. <laughs> and, David, I think the, the couple from our previous story might be into this, but for all the wrong reasons. Errol, it's always been good to talk to you, always is good to talk to you, and uh, we'll see you next week, I hope. Thanks for your time. No worries, David. Errol Smith talking some unusual stories, some very unusual stories, sort of related to the world of wheels, of motoring and transport.